Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So it is our Indigenous Knowledge Systems feature this morning, this afternoon, uh, as we usually have it on a day um, like today on a Tuesday. So we're going to be looking into a center that was established by UCT recently. It is called the Koi and the San Center. Um, it is staged uh, at, uh, at the UCT. And really, this has been a long time coming because a lot of work had been going into a various collecting of materials, some knowledge and research into the Koi, and this really was very welcome. So I'm going to be speaking today with Torik Jenkins, who is a community engagement strategist at the Koi and Sand Center at UCT, to just unpack for us what it is that they do there. Torik, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for the invitation. As I was saying, you know, this was a long time coming. A lot of work had been uh, had been done, but I suppose in small scales, and eventually this the center came together. What are we going to see in time when when this center is established? So the center has basically emerged out of a three-year public consultative process. Mm with a community engagement forum called the uh, Resort Fire Restorative Justice Forum, um, which has been uh, based at the Centre of African Studies for the past three years. Mm. Um, that forum in of itself also emerged out of a, 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 a public engagement um, process around the renaming of the Jamison Hall to Sarah Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of that historic um, event of renaming came um, a... A, a desire for a much deeper commitment in as far as what transformation is, mm. extent to which uh, this symbolic renaming process mm. would actually, in structural and uh, um, in meaningful terms, be part of the institution's uh, you know, process of, of decoloniality. Um, and, and so the, the coins and unit has emerged from, you know, from these um, consultative uh, processes, and and as such as has built a you know a very wide stakeholder uh, engagement group across across the region in southern Africa and um, and internationally. Mm. So as far as the academic offerings are the mm. centre issues around you know indigenous knowledge of the Khoisan and Khoikhoab as a language. Um, and in particular, you know, issues around uh, South African communities' uh, uh, engagement with heritage and mm. practice. Mm. These are some of the key uh, sort of things that we're looking at. Right now, um, we have a digital archive that's, um, uh, that's been um, in, uh, in development um, for, uh, you know, for um, a, a, a regional and international collaboration of, of, of indigenous languages that are in danger. Um, we know that Khoikhoab, for example, in the context, context of the Western Cape, has, has recently returned after about a 200-year mm. <clears throat> hiatus mm. because of the colonial encounter that we, you know, that we saw um, from the First Frontier Wars in uh, 1659 which resulted from the occupation of the first Freeberger farms on either side of the banks of the Lisbeck River, um, together with this mass um, sort of call in Petane or call in of mass migration mm. and massacre and so on, also resulted in the removal um, of, of, of indigenous Khoi languages from the Western Cape. So 
it's 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 not just the repatriation of 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 sort of cultural heritage, uh, uh, you know, significances. It, it, it is also about uh, you know reviving a sense of of meaning um, and, uh, and and reconnection to to a history that has been uh, erased mm-hmm. through language, and so. Uh, we are now currently in the fourth phase of a Koikokowab um, uh, curriculum, mm-hmm. which uh, which has been uh, headed by um, uh, you know uh, a former um, the uh, Mbongi of um, President Cyril Ramaphosa in in not this but the last uh, State of the Nation address, Daddy uh, mm-hmm. Fancitas, and um, you know before that we. We've actually got a very well-known teacher from Namibia to start the inception course, um, and the the uh, from the onset we've made it very clear that you know we would want to have an undergraduate degree course in in, in coincidental studies, um, and uh, currently there are a number of research um, uh, you know, uh, endeavors that are happening at postdoctoral, doctoral, and master's level with with units that are looking at um, some of the key questions um, on 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 history and the key questions of of you know of of heritage um, along this uh, very uh, sort of rugged terrain of the history of, um, of 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 encounter and entanglement, you know. In, Mr. Jenkins, we, we, we're just losing you slightly. I'm going to put you back so that we can try and sort that line out. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with even more of your questions. Uh, if you're listening in and you're really curious, and I know many of you have been asking us, when are you going to do something on the coin in the sand? So we're doing it now. Start dialing in 011-714-2006. Your questions are going to be answered by a really formidable person who, who has been at the forefront of trying to bring back the indigenous knowledge of the koi. And we've been having this conversation for a while. WhatsApp number 0614-104-107. I'm going to just uh, take a quick break so that we can sort that line out and be back with your questions. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. We're discussing the core in the sand, indigenous knowledge systems, language, and so on. And this has been facilitated by UCT's Coin Sand Center that's been established there, really trying to um, do a lot. And, and one of the things that they're doing at the moment is to rehabilitate a language that was in hiatus for about 200 years and so on. So there's a lot also that is happening there. So a conversation we're having is with Torek Jenkins, uh, Jenkins, who is a community engagement strategist at the Koyan Sand center at uct i hope the line is better at torek let's just see if if we can hear you clearly hi there okay it sounds much much better so i want to just ask you in particular with the language for instance how and what does it take to revive a language that has been in hiatus for about 200 years and we also know that language as as it moves regions, it, it, it's got different dialects from one region to another. H- how are we going to standardize a language and because it was you know, you know it was it was almost silent for so long and also the fact that the person who's running the center comes from Namibia, are we sure that that was a dialect that was used in South Africa? So you've asked a number of really excellent yes. questions. Yes. Um, but, you know, we, we're talking about um, not only language revival, but the question of 
um, you know, what have been the epistemological violences mm. of, of colonial education in as far as how we view indigenous languages. Mm. Um, I think what, what comes with the return of, of a, a mother tongue, mm. also with that comes a curriculum that deals with the restorative justice that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, it, it's not just a question of um, enabling communities that have lost touch with this language in terms of them being able to speak the language again, mm. but also opening up a range of critical questions that, that need to address the Vavudian paradigm of language loss and, and, and what that means to a community. What, what does it mean, for example, to the descendants of the Khoi Khoi mm. San mm. in the context of the Western Cape that may have um, a... a, 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 a tr- Connect across the board, mm-hmm. and um, and and how does the language in of itself begin a, a healing process? Mm. Uh, just to correct you, yes. the head of the centre is not from Namibia. Yes, um, the head of the centre is Dr. June Bam uh, Hutchinson. Yes, um, but is is the but, person uh, who was heading the language um, element not from Namibia? Correct. The yeah. our very first teacher. Yes, that uh, that that. Um, did the the first Koiko Fawab um, course yes. was was in fact from from, from Namibia. Okay. Yes. So um, you know the the linguistic um, sort of decisions around Koiko Fawab mm. and uh, the relation with with Nama mm-hmm. and 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 so on. Um, you know these are very important questions that uh, you know that have been debated at length in as far as mm. you know. Um, how do we view language revival in the context of the Western Cape? Mm. Koiko Fawab. Is, is part of a, a um, um, it is a sort of a, a founding umbrella uh, sort of language of um, of, of, of the Khoikhoi. Mm-hmm. And when one looks at the dislocation and, and forced removal of um, identities that fanned across the country from the Western Cape mm-hmm. and moved over to, to modern day Namibia, mm-hmm. um, it is within that language cluster mm-hmm. that that we find the remnants of um, of a a, 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 a linguism, a you know, a linguistic trait mm. that has relevance in the context of the Western Cape. I think for us to look at you know essentialist terms of you know um, where we, we we locate language revival comes again with you know with 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 a number of choices. And I think that as we go along um, and as we continue uh, this. You know this question of of language revival, not just within the context of the Western Cape, but also nationally. These are some of the the, the critical questions that um, you know that that we face. But Kokokhovab is the language mm-hmm. um, that uh, we we are engaging, um, and um, you know from from the extensive. Uh, uh, engagement with, with, with you know, with, with, with relevant stakeholder groups around this. You know, there is there is consensus. Um, you know, in terms in terms of in terms of that decision. Yes. So, so help us out because for those of us who don't know, I, I have no idea whether Kokokoab is something that is a language that's been widely used in parts of Namibia. I'm not sure. So my next question is: in terms of capacity, do we do we have enough people? who can assist in this education of a new language, for instance? Or are we literally clutching at a handful of people who still have this knowledge with them? 
You know, it's not just uh, a question of, of, of when you look at threatened languages, there, there are a number of languages that are pocketed around Southern Africa mm. um, and that have been identified as, as, as under threat. Mm-hmm. And as far as Kukuhuwab is concerned in terms of having teachers um, being able to teach the language, mm. you know, the, in, in the Northern Cape and elsewhere, you'd find... Uh, Okay. To, to our allies uh, in Namibia, like the University of Namibia mm-hmm. and, and, and so on, who, you know, who would have um, obviously a, 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 a long history okay. of being able to keep you know, these, these, these languages alive, mm-hmm. um, which is why part of the, the, the unit's um, priority at the moment is to engage very strongly in the education of this language mm-hmm. and to also engage over time, you know, um, training uh, individuals who will be able to teach this language mm-hmm. as well throughout the communities. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, it is it is a lost, it, it, it is a language that is returning home. Mm-hmm. It is a language that forms part of our footprint as mm-hmm. South Africans and Southern Africans, irrespective of the colonial borders mm-hmm. that divide us. So for someone to say, no, this is a Namibian language or whatever it is, I think if perhaps the question would be, before these colonial boundaries were, mm. were put in place. Mm. And the fact that, you know, the Khoi Khoi An San, uh, in, 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 in the context of the San as well, in terms of that transhumanism, in terms of um, how groups would often um, move in mm. cyclical, mm. Um, you know, journeying across the subcontinent and beyond, means that uh, the, the linguistic uh, commonalities with the, the linguistic encounters much, much more complex than, than maybe what we give you credit for. The fact that all the clicks that you'd find mm-hmm. in Miriam Akeba's song mm-hmm. and in, 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 in Tosa and, mm-hmm. and in Zulu, mm-hmm. these come from, from, from Kokopo. They come from, um, from the Koyansan languages. So, um, this also helps, I think, in terms of how we place uh, our unity as a country, mm. um, in that, you know, where um, a good example would be in, in, early 19, in the early 1900s when the British colonial system imposed um, an umbrella term of, of coloured, mm. which basically ethnicized a whole range mm. of, mm. of core groups. It also diminished the uh, linguistic and individual cultural traits mm. of those coming from the Java, Malay, Madagascar, Angola, etc., mm. and, and merged it into, into one group, and uh, in so doing, um, removed the sense of Africanness mm. from, uh, you know, from, mm. uh, from these various uh, identities. <laughs> and, and so part of the revivalism of the language is also a revivalism of a particular reality of our history, mm. um, of, um, you know, of of indigeneity, mm. um, a, 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 a history of, uh, you know, um, of, of, of a shared um, uh, sort of yeah. encounter yeah. with, um, you know, which is also um, incredibly diverse. I think mm-hmm. one of the paradoxes of the Khoikhoans on um, a range of identities, especially within the Western Cape, mm. is that it is explored Okay, let me let me take a break because that line keeps failing us. Um, uh, I'll be back with Mr. Jenkins in a short while. Let me just go to Utsi Lasaku for the latest in headlines at one thirty first.
Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Hi Pimelo, it's Diesel here from Eastland. And can you please find out for me from your guest about the connection of the Kosa culture, language, with that of the Khoisan and uh, the bloodline? And also how were they were affected by colonialism through violence and through the displacement of other indigenous people here in South Africa. Thank you. All right. Um, I'll be uh, taking more of your calls on 011-714-2006 as well as those WhatsApps on 0614-104-107. My guest is Torek Jenkins, who is a community engagement and strategist at the Koi and Sand Center at UCT. And as you have figured out, we are discussing the Koi and Sand Indigenous Knowledge Systems. Let me go quickly to Cyril before I come back to Mr. Jenkins. Cyril, you're calling from KZN. Thanks for your patience. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, just two quick things, um, um, and uh, thank you for, because I heard you saying uh, uh, people ask you to bring the question up. Now you've done just that. Mm-hmm. Ma'am, I just want to ask one question to the gentleman, uh, Duncan, mm-hmm. and I'll, 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 I'll close with a question to you. Sure. Uh, Mr. Jenkins, uh, I believe there's a, and I've seen this, a dictionary on question language. Uh, were you involved? And if who was involved? Now was this dictionary established? Uh, and maybe just a last question to you. Yes, sir. Uh, we're looking at these languages. Now, we're also looking at the, you know, must use a Bantu language, the Kosa, Zulu, and so on and so on. You see? Now, in the Khoisan, it looks like there's also different, somebody could call it this, and the, the others in Namibia language. There's also the Kosa with the ethics. Now, how will one know which language to choose to be used in schools? That's my last two questions. And to ma'am yourself, thank you for the USA family taking a call. Uh, I've called for land, which is so vitally important. And I was to be promised by uh, Cathy that the chief commission will come back. She asked me to email a letter. I did email her and email it to Cathy, but nothing is coming forward. Mm-hmm. So thanks for the language, but above all, land is the most important okay. issue. That All right, Cyril, on the, don't put the phone down, Cyril. I'm going to put you back to the producer <laughs> so that we can follow up on, on your issue there with land um, and so that we can see how we can help you. Thank you, though, for your call. Mr. Jenkins, I mean, there, there are a couple of questions coming through. Let's start with a voice note that came uh, earlier asking about the connection, and you touched slightly on that, the connection between the Kosa people and the Khoi and the San. You know, this is a very good question because the very first colonial encounter that we just, that we, um, and we talk about the sort of military encounter mm. as, 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 as a country was on the 1st of March, 1510, on the banks of the Lisbeck River. Um, and um, that was a, a, an incredibly important battle because the Francisco Dalmeida, who at that point was the viceroy to the Portuguese colony of India, had come down um, by the Cape of Good Hope. He had set up anchor and had raided one of the uh, indigenous groups called the Gorinaikwa, um, but in turn was met by a, an incredible standing army of the Khoikhoi that had a symbiotic relationship with their cattle. And um, 
and the Portuguese registered one of its largest defeats ever to um, an indigenous group, including the death of Dalmeida himself. So significant was that battle that by the time it reached Portugal, there was a royal decree that ostensibly uh, uh, stopped the Portuguese encounter in South Africa for the next 80 years. So you and I probably would be speaking Portuguese now if it mm. wasn't for that, mm. for that battle. But more importantly, in the same precinct, in 1657 and 1659, was the first frontier war. The first frontier war against the Dutch East India Company, mm. prompted by the first Friedberger farms who were unable to enslave the Khoikhoi and thereby also imported the first slaves from the Dutch East India Company that came from Java, Angola, Madagascar, um, um, etc. And um, it was in that context that these slaves then intermingled with the, the Friedberger farmers and the Khoikhoi, and then, you know, your so-called kind of uh, uh, mixed-race colored community emerged out of, out of that encounter. But when we look at colonial encounter, in a sense, we'll see that there's a, there's, there's, there's a gap of over 100 years of colonial conquest and fighting that happened in the context of the Western Cape between the Koiko, the various groupings of, of, of the Koiko, the peninsula uh, groups, then later on. So the peninsula groups would, would include the, um, the Gorinaik or the Kamakwa or the Gorinaikona, um, then the Kotrakwa later, and, and, um, and, and, uh, and so forth. So um, the, the Kosa link becomes very important when from the 10th to the 16th of those Khoi Wars, as there was an exile movement, exiled movement of, of, of the various Khoi groupings coming from the Ground Zero precinct of the Lisbon River into um, uh, sort of Kosa uh, kingdom territory, that's when they fought together against other colonial um, formations such as the British. So there is a dovetailing of, of militarized unity against colonial oppression with Khoikhoi groups and, and the Kosas. In fact, you know, in terms of um, the issue where some of the first escapees from Robben Island, mm-hmm. you know, um, you'd have um, episodes where great leaders of, of, of the Amakosa were captured and mm-hmm. kept in, in Robben Island, um, and uh, and then you know escaped, uh, you know um, together and fought, uh, you know um, within within the context of 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 of, of a shared enemy. <laughs> so both in terms of the national coincidence, liberation and resistance routes, and how that uh, definitely meets the the efforts of of the Khoikhoi in, you know, in, on the eastern frontier is very, very important and very, a very important part of, mm-hmm. of how we look at uh, liberation and resistance in, you know, mm-hmm. within, within the context of, of these wars and, and so on. But linguistically, of yeah. course, I think here we have the real insignia mm-hmm. of our unity, mm-hmm. of, of especially the, the kick sound. The clicks, yeah. And that is, that, that is a um, an important aspect. I'll give you a very good example of this unity. Um, the Kai Korana, mm-hmm. which is a, a big Khoi group, recently um, at Odomolan, 
um, in, 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 in observatory at the Odomol and Kral went through an historic unity event where the Koranak clans from around the country came together and found unity also in celebration of environmental protection and so on mm. and, 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 and commemoration around the sacred confluence of, of, of the rivers of the Black River and the mm. Lisbeth River. But there you also found the Pondomisa mm. and the Abba Temple mm. were incorporated back into the Korana. It was an amazing wow. historic statement wow. of unity to undo the Verbudian context mm. that the so-called Nguni tribes mm. are not part mm. of of the Khoi Khoi. <laughs> and this was a definitive moment and within the Ngaos and within those traditional ceremonies which the Gori Naikona um, had the had the privilege of, of being the witness. Mm. They actually asked the Gori Naikona to bear witness to this event was the re-embracing mm. of the Ama Temple and the Pondamisa within the context of, of the Korana <laughs> because of through the colonial um, uh, sort of encounter, we saw these kinds of disidentification yeah. that, and the splintering off, which unfortunately through, through some rampant propaganda over time mm. also began to redefine who we are mm. as South Africans. Mm. And, and so I think, you know, uh, the, 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 the question that was asked is, is, is a wonderful question. And I think these are some of the nuances that we hope to explore, you know, with, with, with some research together with... Um, our community, you know, the uh, communities across the board, yeah. in terms of, you know, you know, what is uh, in indigeneity? How do we view and who we are, yeah. both within the context of revivalism and also, um, you know, in, in the context of. Um, you know, of language and culture. Let me take a quick break and I'm going to come back to you, Mark, uh, Matthew. I do see you, Matthew, there calling us from Cape Town. I'll take more of your questions as well as your comments on WhatsApp as well as on 011-714-2006. Thank you so much for staying with us. We are discussing the Khoi and San Indigenous Knowledge Systems with Tariq Jenkins, who is a community engagement strategist at the Khoi and San Centre at UCT. Matthew, thank you for your patience. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, ma'am. How are you? We're well. Thank you for calling, Matthew. Yes, um, I appreciate the knowledge that this gentleman has from UCT. And I think um, I think that um, the, 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 he has got a lot of context within the Khoisan. Mm. However, I think I can speak for 80% of college in the Western Cape, mm-hmm. not in the whole country, mm-hmm. in the Western Cape. We are not interested in the UCT Center of Khoisan. And why is The reason that? why being is, mm-hmm. what is the intention? We are, it's too late to teach us about history, where we come from, where we're not from. Cultural discovery happens from generation within the context of a family. Me, myself, mm-hmm. I did not know. I have no knowledge of the Khoisan, nor am I interested in the Khoisan. And I can tell you there are some people that are interested, but I can tell you majority, the people of the Western Cape, mm-hmm. are not interested in the, We are interested in our land. That is what we are interested in. We are not interested with Khoisan and where we where where they come from whatever for we know we don't even know if it's true because these people have been slaughtered centuries ago centuries ago from from colonialists that is why i think um i, I appreciate he's got he's, he's got knowledge of what he is saying um apparently 
um, and I can hear him out, but we are not interested in any center of Khoisan, nor are we interested in learning a language. We must, we do not, we do not uh, um, focus ourselves with things in the past. We, all, we want the future and we want our land. Give us our land, then we can talk about Khoisan and and what you want everything don't leave, oh, he's gone so now he's gone okay i mean it's it's um it's an interesting point he was making because i was going to ask him before he goes how is he going to argue um the issue of land if he doesn't know about his origins um because none of this is in a vacuum none of this uh, functions in a vacuum and and besides that um this particular center is not only focused on language it's focused on many other things we were going to get to the other things we just happened to start with language but perhaps let me give you mr jenkins uh, uh, time to respond i think and you absolutely right it's, the center is not only about language uh, the center is really to address exactly the anxieties that mm-hmm. the gentleman on the line was was speaking about mm. we, we are looking at a terrain of transgenerational trauma mm-hmm. we we are looking at ranges of identity that have been been taught forced and ingrained to think about each other and how we relate to each other mm. in a certain way mm. and and i think it's very important and i appreciate what he's saying because these are the challenges that our country faces mm-hmm. it is also the challenge of identity that has um in many ways kept division and disunity within the context of the western cape mm. um you know a a a a very serious question um for for a very long time um for 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 the unit one of the the critical things for us is not to view um uh, language and and knowledge that's only supposed to be secluded in an archive that will be a vault yeah. and that academics will be able to research but it is to allow this information to be touched upon interrogated and challenged by the community in ways that the community will also find meaningful um there there is of course a relationship in terms of land disposition of land and also the annihilation of culture identity linguistic traits and the extent to which uh, you know there's a Mr. willingness Mr Jenkins to want can- to look can i ask a favor so this is obviously a very important discussion and and i think we've just but touched the surface of of all the things that we need to get into if i may ask that we come back to this perhaps next week we we have to go into uh, the president's uh, address at the moment can i ask that maybe we commit to having another um you know conversation specifically to all the other elements that you guys are dealing with at your center could we do that uh, uh, maybe next week I would be it would be an absolute pleasure to do so and and I think that the question that the gentleman made is is it's important. It's a very good one. Yeah, it's very and important. And it's, it's telling of of the complexities around what we're dealing with. Absolutely. Um and um I I I appreciate the fact that you would give us the the time yeah. and the scope to to go deep into yeah. you know into uh In, it's important that question yeah, and it's, um, yes absolutely look forward to next week um thank you very very much uh, for your understanding and and i appreciate you coming back as well to jenkins ken jenkins is a community engagement strategist at the koi and the sand center at uct we will come back to this issue we'll give it another hour next week we just have to go to a quick break and then we'll be back with the address by the president